opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. For Saturday night, April the 10th, 2021, this is episode 39 of the Anime Roundtable Canada. Good evening from Six Points, 10 minutes south of the Anime North Compound in the west end of Toronto. Mike Nicholas with you. Once again, a quick reminder that you can join in on the conversation in multiple ways via email, animeroundtable at gmail.com, and via Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable. Also, don't forget our website, animeroundtable.com, for full show notes and past episodes. As well, we do have a Discord, Facebook, and Twitch. More on that to come, hopefully, in the near future. So, we're going to start with something a little different this evening. To say that the pandemic of the last 13 months has been stressful on the world would be the understatement of the last 50 years. And of course, something like anime conventions would be no exception. One by one last year, all the shows that fans have grown to love, your Anime Expos, Otakons, Anime Centrals, Anime New Yorks, and even Comic-Con and Fan Expo, you name it, all postponed because of the pandemic. And with what would be the convention season now dawning upon us for 2021, the questions surrounding the conventions this year have started to be asked. Anime North, of course, was in the same position, having cancelled the 2020 edition last year and pivoting to the virtual Momiji's online experience last July. It joined a trend of online versions of such conventions that rose up to fill in the in-person void as best as possible. And fairly early on this year, Anime North decided to once again cancel the in-person experience for 2021 and pivoted towards an online edition which will be set for the traditional Anime North weekend of May 28th to the 30th. As official podcast, we want to fulfill our obligations to the convention and talk a little Anime North right now, especially considering that submissions to fill the programming for the Anime North stay-at-home edition began on March 26th, and will run until May the 1st. Chris Nabelski, who is the social media coordinator of Anime North, was kind enough to join me for a chat on Thursday evening to talk about how Anime North has managed during the pandemic, and to look ahead to this year's stay-at-home edition. Unfortunately, I had a rather careless moment again. I forgot to properly check to see if my USB microphone was set up properly, and you guessed it, it wasn't. So I was recorded on my MacBook's own microphone, and admittedly, it won't sound as good as it should. So my apologies to both Chris and to you guys listening. But in any event, here's my conversation with Anime North's social media coordinator, Chris Nobelski. Mr. Nobelski, it's a real pleasure to finally have you on the podcast, and thank you so much for doing this pretty much last minute. Oh, no worries. It's uh, I've been meaning to join you guys uh, for what is it three years now since we first talked about yes. me coming on the podcast. We first talked 
2019, just outside the staff registration office, and yes. you recognized my name. I am flattered anybody will recognize me in any form, for starters. I'm a and... king of random trivia to begin with, so it's actually a surprise I remember people, anyone's name, but other things I can remember off the top of my head, have a hat. Mm-hmm. I think you you saw my tag at the time and saw the name Anime Roundtable on it, and we started talking because you you had heard a few episodes and you expressed mm-hmm. interest on doing the show at some point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we had yet to learn how to do the show online because we always did the show in person. And over the last year, we've all had to learn new things and pivot. Yep. Which was a word we've constantly used, or I've constantly used over the last 13 months. So now that we know how to do this online, we can start having a few more people we wouldn't usually have on come on. So, um, Mm -hmm. as I said, thanks uh, for finally doing this. You're welcome. Okay. So where do we, where do we want to start? Some of the thoughts. I, I know that there's... We can only say so much about the decisions to to cancel the in-person versions of Anime North over the last little bit. Uh, the sense I got from last year is it sounded like the organizer organizing committee just want to hold off as much as possible and make that decision. You know, well, obviously make the right decision, but mm. you know, you, you you everything uh, the die was cast. Everything was in motion to set up because let's. I think a lot of people have uh, have to really respect that all the time that has to go in planning these things. You have to you have to plan months and months in advance. And we, for most departments at Anime North, the uh, official planning stage starts at right at the new year. Mm-hmm. Some people, like I, pretty much operate all year round because I have to answer email questions or not email questions. Uh, Facebook questions and Twitter questions and that, as well as put up uh, announcements uh, sometimes for other events to help promote them mm-hmm. that we're partnered with. Like uh, the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center will have events throughout the year, and we like to promote them as well. The Halloween, the Halloween thing, right? If I yeah. remember correctly, is it a dance or a ball? I've never been to it. It's uh, originally it's a combination of a dance and a uh, a market. Mostly for uh, fan uh, art, uh, artist alley, and uh, a bit of a vendors area as well. I believe the original name was uh, Dojika. I'm probably okay. pronouncing it wrong, but it's basically a Dojin event or do- Dojinshi event. Okay. And so, it has the ball and has some other activities as well. Mm-hmm. The uh, Night Arcade, uh, which is with uh, Go's uh, Game On Entertainment Service, helps us run. Oh, and also, uh, like, their uh, anime showings that they'll do throughout the year, including the uh, Toronto Japanese Film Festival, which we will usually sponsor a anime or anime-related film being shown Mm -hmm. during. Okay, whenever that happens, right? Uh, It's usually a month after, or... A few weeks after the uh, traditional anime North weekend. Right, in June. I remember. Mm-hmm. I do remember. And then on top of that, I know you do the Japan Canada Festival in Mississauga. Yes. So 
I've been, I've uh, stepped into that every so often. I'm from Mississauga, just for reference, so it's mm -hmm. my hometown. It's a, it's, it's a, quite a sight. I, I haven't seen it on and off over the years myself. So, and and Anime North, I know, does a, a block of a couple hours programming on stage, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's about an hour of programming. It just so happens that it seems longer probably because it happens right at dusk. Mm -hmm. So it's like at the start of it, it's not it's daytime. And when it ends, it's night. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, none of that happened last year for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. OK, so we had you had to start the planning. Planning began in, in January mm -hmm. and then everything hit in mid-March last year. And yeah. I know, I forgot the exact date that the decision was made to cancel the in-person 2020 edition. Well, you got to remember the, or realize that the actual date when the decision was made and the announcement is, I think it ended up being a few weeks uh, difference from when mm -hmm. I learned actually that we were canceling to when we announced it because we have to make, get everything all set up that everyone knows behind the scenes that we yeah. are not doing it to when we can say we are not doing it. Well, yeah, even something like a cancellation requires a degree mm -hmm. of planning, I'm guessing, because oh, you yeah. have to coordinate all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. With every single, every single department and entity involved. Mm -hmm. So understood. Uh, I understood on the coordination, but, and, and as I said, that's why, I, I'd like to hope that regular convention goers, Anime North convention goers, can have a little bit of understanding as to what goes into the planning of all of this, whether it's mm -hmm. putting it on or, unfortunately, it, taking it off the table. Sort of so, like a, just an a, analogy, it's like a train. When the brakes hit, it takes a while for the train to actually stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit into the into the year and Momiji's online experience. The um, I guess the stay at home version last year. Yes, the online version, and mm -hmm. obviously after the disappoint. Um, did when did the conversation start to begin on having the online experience? Because Obviously, having holding it roughly two months after what would have been the regular Anime North date, mm -hmm. it was a little bit of of a surprise. Well, the original conversation, I proposed the idea that if Anime North couldn't run, this is before I knew about Anime North being canceled from last year, I sent an email to the exec suggesting that we look into setting up a small online event. At that mm -hmm. time, we did, I didn't give a name for it. And okay. that was put on the back burner because of other things I had to do. And then uh, once everything had got announced, we were talking about how we can do it. The original idea was to do it on the Anime North weekend and have a skeleton crew in the hotel doing all the production in that. I believe three people, me, our technical director, and our uh, sort of host. Yes. <laughs> Whose name I forgot. I'm so sorry. And I do apologize to him, but I remember the host. It's, oh, uh, yet... Andrew Kaidosh. 
And Andrew was a good guide that weekend. Mm-hmm. He was a good guide. And especially for, as I said, something that had to be... I mean, yeah, there was a degree of planning, but it felt... There was a, a degree of... You know, it, it had to be... It, it did. Ha, it is makeshift, let's be honest. <laughs> I will admit it was makeshift. It was more as I never really like to refer to it as an online convention. It was more of a streaming event to me. Just mm-hmm. what I think about a convention or even an online convention has a certain resonance that I wasn't even going for. I just wanted something fun originally to do on the Anime North weekend. But we put the reason we pushed it back to July was to give a little more time for planning and also the hopes of being able to use the uh, Anime North office to do all this stuff in which of course because things happened that couldn't happen so we did it from our own homes and with andrew hosting from home it looked like he was at home yes okay so was those feelings kind of went into the name momiji's online experience into the moe yeah uh (laughs) the reason why it had that name was originally i was trying to give uh a few ideas for names. So the uh, the people that I basically roped in to help with running the uh, event last year could decide or come up with other, hopefully better names. But <laughs> I guess that didn't happen. No, it did not. Oh, <laughs> everyone, poor guy. Was, everyone came out with, uh, oh, I like uh, Momiji's online experience. Well, wait, that's a fun, cute name. Oh, yeah. You Well, did you see the jokes coming? Well, the original idea with that was that we were not going to refer to it outright as Moe. Or that was my original idea. And I was like, oh, it so happens to come out like that. How cute. <laughs> and uh, our graphics department, uh, particularly uh, Ken, really ran with the uh, Moe branding. And uh, so that's how it came out. And it just stuck. It just stuck. For better or worse, it just stuck. Yes. Because we were all, all of us around the table when we heard about the name, we were we were laughing for a bit. I have, we have to admit that. <laughs> I think it, it, it was memorable. Well, the, the name was memorable. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'd like to think, you know, Anime North has always had this relatively happy vibe. The way I've always seen it, right? It, yeah. It's good to hear well to me it has a it to me it's a it's a little bit how would i put this a happy chaos sometimes to it <laughs> that's what it feels like walking when i walk through the compound I, we and uh, we we on the podcast refer to that whole the whole corridor the airport dixon road corridor and 27 area as the anime north compound <laughs> And on the weekend, it's it transforms. I'm sure you know that everyone, like, there's oh, a yeah. certain certain vibe to the area when that the weekend happens. And I've noted that many times on the show that I uh, I would I actually work nearby, so I would pass by the area on a regular basis, almost a daily basis, at least underneath on 27. Mm-hmm. And it has a more empty feel. Oh, yeah. 
I've so, uh, been through the office at the office a few times while even outside of uh, regular meetings. And so you know what it, it's like. <laughs> it's empty even when there's uh, other events going on. It just is way different with the Anime North uh, crowd as opposed to, say, some uh, like the Delta's uh, conference uh, center area having a teacher's convention <laughs> or there was one time actually there was a botting billing convention going on oh wow which is the most different thing i think you can have from an anime convention yeah well you know keep in mind well keep in mind what you have sometimes happening every couple of years across the street at the tcc mm -hmm. uh, the conservative party policy or leadership conventions i've only remembered two one was a provincial and the one uh was it 2017 yeah the leadership convention yeah there's also one uh earlier in the last decade uh, for the provincial convention mm -hmm. which was i think probably better run and so far as they didn't have uh, news reports uh of uh some party member saying damn you animu convention or something oh to that effect oh boy or blaming the animu convention as I said, happy chaos, mm -hmm. happy chaos. But it, it's it's always a sight to see, to watch when it happens. And as I said, sometimes we see fandom does have its ugly sides, but Anime North Weekend is usually when I see the best of fandom. I've always said that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, right down to people helping out, the um, various forms of inclusions, the relabeling of washrooms. Mm-hmm. And even there was one year also, there was a car accident that happened right on the main intersection there. Yes. And you even had con staff just direct traffic in the immediate minutes before the, before police got there. Then mm -hmm. that was in a drive and that was in a rainstorm. That's one memory I have uh, on the topic of the good, the goodness of fandom. Mm -hmm. So just so you just, that's a story. I, those are stories I'll always tell about anime North. Okay, so decision was made to do the online version. Call for submissions. What do we say about the submissions? I mean, uh, looking at what we what uh, the what was ended ended up being shown that weekend. It was the la last weekend of July, if I remember correctly. Yes, there was some. I was impressed. I have to say, I enjoyed uh, quite a bit of it. I mean, much of it's blurry now, and mm -hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is, is much of it still on the Twitch? It's still on the Twitch. All of it's still on the Twitch. Okay, channel. so and there's two days for and there was two days of uh, programming that day. Three days. Only so, three days, my apologies. Uh, uh, six hours for Friday, 12 hours for Saturday, and six hours for the Sunday. Wow, so we had 24 hours of programming yes. that, that weekend. Full 24 hours. That's a... That, um, See, I didn't. Re I thought it was. I, I thought it was uh, like closer to eighteen. So I'm really impressed with how that came came about. Mm -hmm. A couple of them really did catch my attention. There was, uh, I know for a friend, she took great interest in the Manga Planet presentation, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, I, I didn't know about the. I don't know too many manga uh, manga services online, and that was one of the first I first time. I'd personally seen anybody behind one of those services start to speak. That was a nice little bit. 
Um, there was a YouTube channel called Pause and Select. I think it was one of the first ones that happened on the on the Friday. They did a presentation about how disasters and hardships that actually happened in Japan mm -hmm. kind of inform and give the give the type of tone for their fiction and the anime that we ended up seeing. And I thought that was a really uh, a really good one. Yeah, what that, that out of all of them, that was my personal favorite, by the way. And we're 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 actually endeavoring to try and uh, get uh, Pause and Select to appear on the show at some point, just to mm. talk a little bit more about that, because I think that's a that was a wonderful one. And then I know that there was another one, and I forgot her name, but I know she did an explanation of Chinese comics as well, as they as as they've become a little bit more popular. Those are the three I remember. But what about you? Um, what came out? Well, first of all, what was your favorite among the topics? And then I'll well, just, just out of curiosity. There's one. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's all a blur to me. Oh, well. I, so, I really hit hard that last month, getting everything together, getting things sorted out that we had the right amount of programming. Mm -hmm. Like not too much, not too little. So... Well, you, I, it was okay, and you, you was, and it was a worthwhile weekend, I think. So, what did you learn from it? Uh, was there like what was your initial takeaway from the first experience? Then, initial takeaway is, uh, hey, this was fun. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> that, that was that's the first one. Uh, that was the first one. I I was <laughs> pretty uh, burnt through <laughs> all <laughs> my energy all on that, and then I uh, suggested we do. Uh, this again this year when I found out, uh, yeah, actually, uh, I originally put out feelers of people who were interested in doing again when for the uh traditional weekend, even though we were still planning to have it during we we're still having the January or the July Emmy North mm. event. I still had uh, the idea to do something during traditional Anime North weekend so that everyone could have. A bit of anime north yeah so let's fast forward to 2021 now mm -hmm. and the decision like the official officially and was on uh, standby over the decision but it made the call to to cancel what was the and what was the uh, uh what was the announcement i'm trying to remember announcement date again i'm just trying to remember here i believe it was february, february 23rd 23rd. Yeah. So the decision was made, uh, I'd say with, um, certainly in, with a lot of time to spare, because I think the decision, the decision on 2020 was made a little bit well after, well after February 23rd last year. I think it was into March. It was mid-March, I believe, last okay, year. When, so, but that, so the in both yeah, cases, I think you got to remember we survived SARS. Yeah, the like, city. Well, yeah. Well, having to cancel or anything. So everyone was hopeful that this was just going to be another SARS. Mm -hmm. At the time. Yeah, at the time. And then... Like when we well, 13 months ago, we're talking, right? Yes. And then okay. it certainly did not turn out that way. So... Obviously... Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I guess we're all a little surprised that it's lasted this this long. But mm -hmm. but you had a little bit more heads up, I'd say. I think the I think the organizing committee had a little bit more heads up 
in terms of making the decision, seeing, you know, how the last years went, had went and be able mm-hmm. to get a better sense of the trend. And the trend just didn't work out. Yes. It just didn't look like it was going to work out in time for late May. So the decision was made three, month, uh, three months, out, more than three months out to mm-hmm. make the call. And it's, and it sounded like almost immediately the pivot was made to turn it into an online experience again. I think it was like in the same breath that uh, when the announcement was made, it said, still join us again. Yes. Uh, the original, as I said, the original idea for uh, this year's was just to hold something during the traditional weekend, even though we were having the big convention, well, a reduced size convention in July. So mm-hmm. that was still formulating. And it just so happened that, hey, we're uh, going to... Uh, be canceling so this is what i was told we're going to be canceling the event or postponing the event till next year so can you hurry up with uh the little bit of information we need to announce like at the time the name wasn't uh, decided until a week before the announcement of the postponement of this year's event okay the stay at home stay at home edition that was the that's the official name of this week of the Anime North weekend this year, yep. right? Anime North stay at-, stay at home edition. Uh, yeah, stay at home edition. Okay, and the problem. See, it works a little. Obviously, to be able to hold an event on the traditional weekend, probably will. I, I'd like to think it's better. It, it's a little better because we've oh, all sorry. become. It's a routine. Yes, it's become a tradition, so to speak. Because. You have to remember, Anime North originally did not happen on the uh, U.S. Memorial Day weekend. Mm. The first one actually happened in August. August. Near the beginning August of, of August. And, uh, yeah, August 1997. Don't have to remind me because I was at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as I said, there's full circle moments in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That, like, there's various Anime North landmarks that have become full circle moments in the pandemic as well. I mentioned this in December. The first vaccine that was given in Canada were given to um, personal support workers at the Michener Institute, mm. where the first AN took place. And then fast forward now, one of the mass vaccination clinics is happening at the Toronto Congress Centre. Mm-hmm. And there's there's landmarks here that uh, were throughout dotted throughout Anime North's history that are having some key moments also for the pandemic as well, or key milestones in Toronto mm-hmm. concerning the pandemic. And it's a point that I think we're, is worth mentioning. It's a, it's a nice conversation piece, but I think it's also maybe a source of pride also that, that Ian has taken place on at such places too, <laughs> such important places in terms of, uh, in terms of the city. Mm-hmm. So that's where we sit now. Uh, okay. So had plenty of heads up, decided on the name. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. And that's basically where we are now. We're making submissions for, we're setting the submissions up for the online edition. Mm-hmm. So let's go through that for a couple minutes here. Um, from what I could gather, you're looking at three versions for submissions. Yes. Uh, the, uh, online presentations that similar to what we did last year, though we're opening up to also uh, taking an hour long 
submissions as instead of just the half hour that we did last year, mm-hmm. which the half hour did work out well because it, I think, helped the people have a more concise panel, chop off some of the uh, extra stuff that they didn't really need. Also, a lot of panels uh, have time for Q&A, which you can't really do with a pre-recorded panel. Mm-hmm. And okay. we're also having roundtable discussion. Or so a live to. Yeah. Uh, so we're having... Remind me from last year, how much in the way of live components did we have with Momiji's online experience? Uh, I could only remember maybe Q&As, but that's about it. Like a Q&A uh, with... The um, Q&A with the guests, that was mm-hmm. some of that. We had the uh, performances, uh, the uh, 404s and D20 Live, I believe Welfare Live, as well as the uh, the dance, the traditional Japanese dance uh workshop on the uh sunday i can't remember what the group's name is i am sorry if they're listening to this i'll be honest they probably aren't just for reference (laughs) (laughs) don't feel so don't feel like you can only um you know don't feel too bad about it i'll just say you're only human after all yeah so how much more of a live component are you hoping for this time around this time around i hope for a third to a half of our time. We're doing 24 hours again. So 8 to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. So 8 to 12 four, hours each day. So 6, 12, 6, right? Yes. Okay. So we're, so the preparations are now in place. Mm-hmm. And have you seen any submissions yet? I have not. Uh, our panels department is doing the uh, fan content submissions. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's other... Uh, once besides uh, the fans, uh, the uh, oh, for reference, I, just for reference, I did speak with Dave Merrill a little earlier today, so I know that Anime Hell is being planned. Oh yeah, I um, don't think it, we could do this without Anime Hell. <laughs> this is one of the central spots for Anime Hell now. Mm-hmm. So um, and he's also doing a uh, Anime nineteen eighty one panel. That's uh, within his MO for sure. Yep, he did uh, nineteen eighty last year. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's his tradition too. So yep. to to do talk about the retro stuff, mm-hmm. and on that note, um, actually, let's a quick aside on the note of retro for a couple seconds. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about it a little later in the show, but I guess we uh, we can get uh, Chris's hot take. Word came down within the last hour before we taped that there's been an agreement with Harmony Gold and Big and Big West. And a significant portion of the Macross titles have been given clearance to be shown now outside of Japan. And we were just talking about this just before we started recording. What's your quick take, uh, Chris? I just remember back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in this game long enough to say back in the day now uh, that this was one of the Macross was one of the titles or franchises that were the this will never be licensed again type of thing that in uh, uh legend of Gal- the galactic heroes which is another thing that was licensed uh within the recent uh few years mm-hmm. so i guess is there any more titles big name titles that are on the nogo list you know that's a good question i think we'll ask james on that uh, a bit later mm-hmm. so 
But yeah, I, I guess my first reaction is surprise, considering the all the animosity that it, that had been known to exist concerning Harmony Gold and the way they've mm. gatekeeped, so to speak, the rest of Macross from the I, rest of the world. I've always wondered how it worked because I know in Japan there was a big uh, court case between uh, was it Big West and uh, Studio New, or I'm maybe getting the wrong partners because there's a whole bunch of studios that have it's a messy it's a messy story and worth and probably a history lesson but then i'd have to catch up on my history mm-hmm. i know th- i know there was that case that the find and at least to the japanese uh parties who owned what but i think harmony I gold think- uh probably went by their original agreement so i always thought one side of the uh, ocean was uh, working on a different idea than the other side. But hmm. I could be completely wrong because. <laughs> there's a story there. No, there's a story, though. There's, yeah, but, uh, but I, but there's I, a lot I, of stories on that. Oh, yeah. And I guess the only reaction I have is surprise. Good, pleasant surprise, but surprise. Real surprise. I don't know how many times I'll say surprise in the next 60 seconds, because that's what it really was. Well, what surprised me was uh, in the mid-90s that uh, Macross 2 and uh, Macross Plus were licensed by uh, Manga Entertainment during this. I guess Harmony Gold was sleeping at the time. Yeah, I guess they... And I wouldn't doubt that there was some litigation over that. And as I said, that's a bit of a history lesson, because obviously Mm -hmm. nothing else has come out since then. And... And the and Macross two and Macross Plus is once again in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Nobody since there's no official overseas license for that mm-hmm. anywhere I, from if I'm if memory serves me right. But yeah, there's there's that, and that's the big headline of the last mm-hmm. twenty four hours in the anime manga world. I think one title we won't see over here would be the uh, Macross Seven. Ah, so maybe that's where that's the most line comes in, right? In that, in that, uh, yeah, because from what I heard, the worst talks of bringing Macross 7 in like decades ago, but the main problem was they'd have to basically combine the cash of all the big uh licensors at the time to try and get it because of the uh, music licensing fees. Hmm. Because, well, you can't have Macross without music, no, that's uh. That goes without saying. That goes without saying, and I think that'll be the uh, the next set of hurdles. I think mm-hmm. in in this story, but as I said, a real significant development this evening. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So you haven't had a chance to see any of the submissions yet, huh? I have not. Nope. Mm-hmm. I you... will probably uh, send an email off to our panels department uh, this weekend to see what we have so far. Mm-hmm. Right, well, this is their first real test. I know with uh, with fingers um, now in the background mm-hmm. and finger fingers um, to the listeners. Fingers Delarus. Uh, that is that how I pronounce his last name. I believe so. Fingers. Fingers is a fixture when it comes to the panels. He's the guy behind the panels you see at Anime North. Mm-hmm. So he's lurking in the shadows in some in some form. Uh, well, he had been. He and he had held the position almost since day one, from what I remember. Certainly for a very long time. And he stepped down from main duties last, uh, late last year. Mm-hmm. So the crew handling the panels now is a 
well, at least the new uh, the head of panels now is fairly new to the position. Probably uh, probably had been participating for some years before. Uh, he, has, he has he has a lot of experience with uh, organizing cons. Mm -hmm. So oh, but yeah, there's a new head of pan a head of the panels. So this is the this is his uh, first real goal at it. Well, no, it doesn't really count. It's the, it, it's an online version, but this is still kind of a sig significant first test for him. Mm -hmm. I'd say. So, so nothing's there, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, no, seriously. Well, we, there's Our, so there's. Uh... I've talked to him before, like mm -hmm. at the uh, meetings. Uh, I think he he actually uh, probably was one of the reasons why we expanded to do uh, a bit more of variety, because uh, along with the uh, online submissions and the roundtable discussions, we also uh, have uh, spots open for workshops, basically mm -hmm. uh, people demonstrating their uh, fan or Japanese cultural after art and taking questions on it yeah I, I think i know where you're going on that mm -hmm. and then and if you look at the history of anime north there have always been these little little workshops whether mm -hmm. it's drawing kimono is probably one of the more popular ones the ones that or at least the one that sticks out to me mm -hmm. so and i know and i spoke with some of the people who done the kimono workshops and discussions. And I know that one of the key big things that they were talking about over the last year was the one kimono project that was being done in Japan in celebration of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So uh, that had been the talk of the uh, kimono community here in North America, which completed by, which did finish up, by the way, mm -hmm. just in time for what would have been the Olympics last year. <laughs> so it'll be all set, set and ready to go. Just for reference, some. Um, uh, one of uh, I had I had a friend who was able to take a picture with the Canadian kimono too. Oh, I'm sure, altogether. But uh, lucky is the word that comes to mind. Okay, so what will the pro how will the process work uh, from this point? The submissions go until May. Was it May? May first. May first. I believe that's where I kept the line because we have to. Uh figure out what timing or when to time slot each uh, thing. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, which takes a while because we have to jiggle things around. What life things obviously can only happen at certain times mm -hmm. because people <laughs> do not want to suddenly find out the week before. Oh, I have this at Sunday at noon and I'm not available Sunday at noon. <laughs> okay that's not a good idea to uh voice on someone just to begin with well you want to and give them that for be first off being rude and second off uh resulting in no one showing up and uh having a blank spot in your pro uh programming okay so so submissions are ongoing hopefully we get a good variety of, of stuff to mm -hmm. talk about this year and well before we go is there anything else um I, I told you before we we're, we're going to make a pitch to you to uh, do a live version of the roundtable. Traditionally, we've always done the podcast late night there as a recap for the for the day's events because we've always done a late night tapings at mm -hmm. Anime North, and we always did two nights uh, with Norm coming on during the second night. You are the second Anime North staff member to come on this podcast, by the way. So congratulations, Chris. 
Thank you. Um, it's nice to know that I'm number two. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, considering <laughs> who's number one, not a bad guy to follow. You know. That's true. You're talking. That reminds me. We were thinking about asking Norm to record him uh, self doing the uh, traditional anime North right as the con starts chant. Mm-hmm. But I had to kibosh that on the fact that I didn't feel like having to have such a big uh, microphone warning. Oh boy! Before that. Oh boy! Yeah, and considering how Norm's voice can sometimes be, and the way well, I he... believe he was a sergeant in uh, the armed forces he... at one point. Well, we know Norm. I mean, we know Norm yeah, oh, can yeah. command a room when he wants to, and like, like he can command a room like a boss. I think he doesn't need the uh, microphone when he uh, does the chant uh, in the ballroom. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, he wouldn't. And as I said, if you if you if listeners have heard Norm's appearances during the Anime North episodes, they'll know what we mean pretty quickly. <laughs> but um, well, as I said, our pitch was uh, to hopefully be able to get a chance to do a version during the late night hours of the program. So. Well, I can announce that you guys will be on on Saturday at 11 p.m. to midnight. But we'll have a chance to to do a to do an episode, our first live episode, really. Mm-hmm. And you can join our, you can join us, uh, you can join myself and uh, the rest of the gang for that. Uh, more than likely, James will be by. Uh, James doesn't have a late night track to worry about programming. That's his usual. That's the usual thing he usually does at Anime North. He 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 programs one of the late night tracks that happened there, and we'll talk at length about you know we'll talk length at length about things during that weekend. We'll uh, determine it uh, as uh, the date comes by. But um, thank you, Chris. Just want to say okay, a just quick thank you. Want to mention two things: one, Anime North Stay at Home Edition will be on the uh, Twitch channel Anime North Compass on May twenty eighth to thirtieth. And we're also taking, going to be taking donations through Extra Life, through the Anime North uh, member. Yes. Page. Yeah, we forgot. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. Yes. So, once again, Twitch, just like last year with, uh, with, with Momiji's online experience. And then we're going to do, we're going to do Extra Life again. This is, this is a big thing. This is an important, mm-hmm. this is always an important uh, initiative to do this. And uh, I think a lot of people in the geek gaming community, science fiction communities, I think um, Extra Life seems to be the um, choice these days. And we'll do it for, we're doing it for the Sick Kids Hospital. Mm-hmm. What was the, uh, do you remember what was the final total from last year's? Uh, last year's were just a bit north of 100 or 1500 uh, USD because Extra Life's originally a American charity that does also takes Canadian uh, donations for Canadian hospitals. Okay. So okay, it ends right. up being something around $2,000 Canadian. Oh, 1500 Okay. So, okay. 1500 uh, American. Mm-hmm. Do we have a, do we have a goal for there for this year or we'll wait <laughs> before announcing that? Uh, we are hoping for 2,500 Canadian or 2,500 American. We're hoping for more Canadian, obviously. Okay. So there's uh, there's our goals. Obviously, we'll we'll make mention of Anime North, the Stay at Home edition, in the weeks that it comes on. But Chris, um, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. W- willing to come back again just to do a regular roundtable with us? Sure. We'll talk the headlines.
Sounds like fun. Okay, Chris Nobelski, Anime North's social, what's this? Social media social coordinator. Social media coordinator. I want to get the terminology correct. Chris Nobelski, uh, social media coordinator for Anime North. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. When we return, the roundtable will convene after the break on the Six Talk Podcast Network. Do Japanese people have longer intestines than Westerners? Can sexy things give you anime-style nosebleeds? Why are vegetables so insulting in Japanese? If you want to find out the answers to those questions and many others, then I've got a podcast for you. It's called Ichimon Japan. That's I-C-H-I-M-O-N Japan. Ichimon means one question, and every episode we ask a question about Japan and dig deep into that topic. So if that sounds interesting to you, check us out at japankyo.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just have to give me a couple seconds here. I just got to make sure my microphone is properly plugged in. Okay, good. And the podcast now continues in front of a virtual audience. Thank you for listening and online via the Six Talk Podcast Network, official podcast, Anime North, as the Anime Roundtable has now convened. So let's go once around the table. Mike Nicholas, once again, joined, as always, by James Austin, Kevin Ng, Mohamed Shamarki, and Jeff Gregg. So... As we begin this second segment, let's look back for a couple minutes. So let's talk a little bit about what's just been presented over the last week or so. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go with uh, the conversation with Chris or do you want to go with the Space Eater chat last week? Go Space Eater chat. Let's talk the Space Eater chat for a couple minutes then. Okay. Mo, Jeff... Kevin, what do you think? Give me a thought. I'm trying to remember it now. I think the um, the thing that stood out to me, I'm a, a very big fan of uh, opening and ending sequences. So your uh, conversation at the end there, um, as far as uh, songs that maybe didn't fit the series, I never, I've never seen the series, but how well does Freckles match Kenshin? <laughs> it's the funny part the story with Kenshin everyone always said this was one of those cases where they went with rock music and this was like in the late 90s it was all because remember it was when Sony music really started to take its influence in their in their anime work right I think it was one of the mm. one of the more noteworthy early earlier cases of established music artists making their way into anime soundtracks. And I'll say this much. On at first blush, none of the music sounded samurai ish, <laughs> I guess, right? Certainly didn't hear the any Enka stuff on it, like Way of the House Husband. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> but it, it never really it, it, on at first blush, all that like it, it was mainly rock music. J-Rock type music, I'd say. I definitely pumped you up to watch an episode, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the thing. But it never felt out of place. None of the music felt out of place there when I think about it. Although, uh, although, 
maybe there's a certain bias showing up because obviously I'm a big Kenshin fan myself. But none of it, none of it really felt out of place. I me. guess part part of that for me is that I think that I was probably introduced to uh, Freckles first as a DDR song. Um, oh yeah, okay. So to to have that kind of when I was like you know perusing uh, different uh, anime openings, uh, you know, a couple months or a year later, it's like oh, it's the song from DDR, but in Japanese. <laughs> um, so you know, it, it maybe seems a little bit. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I've always thought it was an interesting um, to have such a, an upbeat, um, fun song. And, you know, not that there's a lot of hardcore violence in the opening. There's, I think, one scene. But, you know, with a with a fairly, you know, wandering samurai, I think, the, as for the English subtitle or the English title and sort of knowing vaguely um, about the story, it, it seemed like an interesting sort of... Um, a companion song for the for the series but i think it it you know again having not seen the series uh i will trust you that it uh it's a fitting song as i said it just never felt out of place to me and i guess but, for both of us like when we first heard it we didn't hear it in that presence we heard it on, with kenshin and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it just kind of grew on us in that way yeah that's a big part of it and it's worth noting um freckle sobakasu was one of the bigger singles that year. So much so that Judy and Mary actually performed it at the Kohaku that year. I think it was 97, if memory serves me right. No, it was probably before that, 96 or 97. Uh, I'll have to double check. But they did perform it live as part of the uh, big New Year's show uh, on NHK. I kind of see what Jeff is getting at, though. Seems a smidge too peppy for tension. Granted, it's, you know, early on, but, yeah. I wouldn't even say peppy. I I think it's just the the more bubbly nature of it. Like, I think the the tone is is right. It just seems really cheerful for uh, something. Because as far as reference, the only Kenshin media I think I've seen is the first or second live action movie. Okay. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe, well, now that you bring it up, keep in mind also the context of the episodes that they were shown in. And I guess I'm going to start dating myself because, or it would depend on if you watched the anime originally. The original set of episodes, the original arc, it's the Wandering Samurai arc, which is referred to in English. It was fairly episodic. Yeah, and and it just established it just established the characters, and then it got really dramatic. And then at that point, they changed the theme song, but it became what is it? Um, I think it was one half by Makoto Kawamoto, if memory serves me correct, which was which was another like folkish, folky type song. And then there was that Tian Revolution song too, which they which was which was a closing theme song. Right, Harder. and that's another story altogether about uh, TMR's. Um, it wasn't TMR. I was thinking Lark on Seattle. No, TMR. TMR. Yeah, <laughs> I know where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean the the lists the stories behind the music uh, of Kenshin can. No, it's now blurry to me all these years later. <laughs> but uh, give me a little bit, and I can come too. It, it, it's kind of fine because it was early on, like. If they actually did say 
like the Anishi arc and then they use that song, that would have been weird. But because it's early on, like you said, because I've read most of Kenshin and yes, it is fairly episodic in the beginning, then like, yeah, it still works. Mm -hmm. And as I said, there's a bias. I I acknowledge my bias about it because it's it's one of my top five easily. I th- I just thought it was an interesting um I guess topic or talking point. Like I racked my brain trying to think of other um you know uh, mis- uh songs that didn't fit any the song o- that wouldn't have fit their um show. Yeah, and the only other thing I can think of there is I think it's the fifth maybe opening of Sergeant Frog. It's a jam project, really epic orchestral thing. Um, same jam project did a um opening for the American uh, Transformers animated. Um, oh boy. And, you know, both of these, you know, jam projects, very epic, almost operatic, um, you know, things. And Sergeant Frog is Sergeant Frog is very much a, you know, gag comedy show. So hmm. uh, that's the only other thing I could think of. OK, I mean, as I said, I, as I'm not familiar with Sergeant Frog about or I'm about as familiar with it as you would be with. Tension, <laughs> Jeff. So fair point. But uh Hey, it's one of those prove me wrong type theories, I guess, when, when I said that. And I, but at least uh, it's worth a discussion, and we could be here for hours. Mm-hmm. And well, we and we've already used half the time for the episode with the interview. Uh, anything else uh, stick out from the space heater, though? Or do you want to talk about um, the conversation with Chris? The video game talk's always fun. Yeah. Sorry? Oh, the video games. There's Sony, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I know. And uh, and everyone, a lot of people seem to be up in arms because now with the with the announcement, it sounds like a lot of legacy titles could be lost in the ether, as uh, James likes to put it. And it continues on with the talk that we'll get on to uh, later with uh, Netflix and Sony and stuff like that and with the internal struggles that Sony's always had and stuff like that. And at the moment, it looks like uh, Japan isn't on the winning side. It's North America because they used to be about the hardware and all this stuff. And now it's all about the content and getting those hits out. And PS5 and that's all about getting those big hits out from developers like Naughty Dog. And then as we see, they're trying to take those properties and then turn them into uh, movies or other forms of entertainment, and then maybe sell them off to other things. And we've seen that with Uncharted, with uh, The Last of Us, and of course with Ghosts of uh, Tsushima now. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all about the vertical integration, right? I mean, you gotta leverage it as much as possible, right? Yeah. Well, as I said, we're we'll get to we'll get to a little bit of that. And, and- uh, as they've said, unfortunately, backwards compatibility is the most requested feature, but it's the most little used and they supposedly have the numbers on it, which is sad, but there's got to be a way to save that. You know, what I mean that past because some of them will never see them again because they're only on those digital marketplaces unfortunately. Hmm. Okay. Just keep your old systems then. Yeah, well, that's easier said than done, too, because, you know, ultimately, even if you don't touch your system, sometimes they just break down. Oh, no, but you dust. can go and buy a PS3 for, like, 60 bucks off of Facebook Marketplace. 60 maybe? Well, then uh, get back, get to me, because I that's what I have, too. <laughs> it's really <laughs> not. Say, I don't think uh, nothing lasts well, forever, I'm, right? <laughs> well, in that conversation, I'm more, I was more thinking PS2s, so... Like, no, those used consoles, if you find them secondhand, they're not expensive overall. I wouldn't doubt that, actually. 
But it's going to be more conversation for many uh, years down the road or a couple of decades, as we say. And certainly a conversation trickier, but like the yeah. game itself is not too difficult to find. Okay. Well, it's certainly going to be a conversation among gamers right now. Uh, and for reference, it's Neil, for reference, sent me something on Facebook, and that's the crux of his likely uh, return to the show. But that's another story, I guess. And uh, we're, we're just trying to work out those details. But I, I'm not surprised that Neil would have voiced such an opinion, for starters. And when he finally reappears, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. Like, I, but, do you, but it's also consistent with what he's historically thought. Okay, so what else? What else from the space heater? Oh, well... Do we want to mention the, um, like, people are showing off their Demon Slayer tickets online now? I did see that. <laughs> uh, when I saw the tickets on sale, I got very jealous, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> just... Yeah, I know, I know. They're there. Wait for the digital. Well, I think ours, as we said, right, it's like the middle of uh, April, I think, is when they'll show up for Cineplex, but it'll probably be the same uh, cinema as that. We saw before, so Atlanta, Canada, one in Saskatchewan, and then for whatever reason, there's still theaters open in Quebec. I know we we said something about that last week. Okay. So from the Space Heater chat to just now, um, I sent you guys the rock version of the conversation I had with Chris Nabelski on Thursday. So what's your takeaways from that? Whoever listened to it, I don't know who did amongst you four. I thought, As, wow, like that's how the Moe name came about. <laughs> usually, as they say, the first idea is usually the best. Yeah, and it's stuck. Usually. Well, the, the thing was, it, it was meant as a play, it was meant as a code name. It sounded like or a placeholder, but nothing took its place. <laughs> Great story. Great story, bro. Well, uh, anything else? Like, uh, first of all, just a quick preface, and this is an apology to Chris, aside from the microphone. I actually did forget that they did have the July uh, in-person convention. That was initially on the table. That was the initial. The plan was always to have, I think, the online version in during the traditional Anime North weekend, and then hopefully... If things cleared, they would have had the uh, limited version of the in-person in late July. I think uh, opening weekend of the Olympics, which are also, yeah, who knows what's going to happen <laughs> with that. And, and obviously, now we know now we know the story, it became obvious pretty quickly that July was probably not going to be possible. So they just canned it right away. And they stuck with with the anime north at home edition that's the official name branding that they're going to use for the online convention that'll happen in may it's like a lot of conventions they've had to pivot again and stuff like that and it's like okay we had hoped that we could do it in person and stuff like that but a lot of regions are just not up to that yet Mm -hmm. so they had to pivot back to the digital and a lot of people have learned a lot of things uh, over the last year of 
handling these digital events and different uh, conventions have handled it uh, yeah. differently, like up in Montreal, where it was a paid event for Otakuthon. Mm -hmm. And yeah, well, how did Otakuthon go? What was I, the uh, buzz on that? I'm not sure because I didn't actually pay to get in. So I'm intrigued to see how they did because it was one of the few that had that uh, setup where they had a platform and you paid to get in and stuff like that. So I'd be intrigued to see how it uh, went and uh, what lessons they learned compared to the others that went the Twitch route and did it uh, for free. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think I appreciated the conversation because... It, it we don't uh, really go too deep, but or into the um into the high levels of the decision making within Anime North, but it did peel back a little bit the curtain as to some of the things that did happen behind the scenes. A few of the things that happened there as the decisions were made, and that the decisions were, as far as I could tell, they they did think 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 them through. To be fair. But they had to keep it, keep it as much under wraps as possible because they had to let a lot of people know. And we've talked about the sometimes decentralized, uh, the well, yeah, and it's not, and you know how um, every department really does operate and goes out and does its own thing, and then they just come together just to make sure everyone's on the same page. And they well, had to take their time to do that, and it's worth remembering that. The staff of Anime North, yes, you have your your absolute top members of the of the organizing committee, but the staff really gets up there in terms of hundreds, if not four figures. Yeah, like it's really grown. Like it used to be that it was just a lot of the university clubs and just a few people that got together, but over the last two decades it's grown so much that it's like some of them are their own separate entities. And then, as you said, they come together and we make sure everyone's on the same page and stuff like that. So you got to make sure everything uh, is in order on that. And so it does take time and then time with the partners and stuff like that, all the hotels and stuff like that. And uh, the Congress there for contracts, but as they said, and they messaged to the general public as well, that some of them were kind of relieved that, it wasn't going to go through and stuff like that because they understood the situation we were in with COVID and stuff like that. That just wasn't going to be possible. It wasn't in their best interests either, even though it's one of their biggest money makers. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's the Black Weekend for for um, Dixon uh, Dixon and Airport, <laughs> right? Yeah, Black Friday. This is this is Black Weekend for that stretch. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's a different uh, thing every other day of the week, right? Mm-hmm. And as I said, I did appreciate uh, getting a little bit better of a sense of the behind the scenes there as as uh, everything unfolded. And obviously, as noted, we there were lessons from how that went down last year, and they're applying them as best as they could to this year. So, yeah, if there if the programming is going to be more um, like, you know, one event after the other, does that mean that you won't have to worry about competing with Anime Hell this year? More than likely. Actually, on that note, well, um, just to, to clarify the submission process or what's what they're looking for in the submissions. First of all, the submissions can be for either 30 minute or 60 minute presentations. They can be online pre-taped presentations, roundtable discussions, or online workshops. And they are looking for as much 
uh, as well-rounded uh, and variety as possible. So that's what they're looking for. The The submissions go until May the 1st. I don't exactly know when Anime Hell would be. I guess it would be, I guess if we're going to go with all the traditions, it'll be held on the Friday again. I think it'd be Friday night and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and I yes, know no. that um, they held it on that night last year, even though there was no uh, Anime North <laughs> and stuff like that. And Dave Merrill uh, oh, made yeah. it happen through everything, uh, foibles and all, and everyone enjoyed it, <laughs> even the foibles. Well, talking with talking with Dave, he's uh, starting to look through ideas right now. And uh, no, we won't be <laughs> to add against them, no. But once again... Chris announced during the interview that yes, we will. We have agreed to do a live version of the anime roundtable. It'll probably be the last thing that happens on the Saturday. That's Saturday night, May 29th, I believe. And it'll be 11 p.m., which is the traditional time we've done tapings at Anime North. Although this time around, we'll, pro we'll actually start at 11, not set up <laughs> between 11 and 11.30. <laughs> But yes, we're going to do, we are now set to do a live version, a live uh, video version, Kevin, of, of Anime Roundtable. And presumably the guidelines for roundtable discussions are, we're, we're asked to use Zoom. So I think when the schedule is more firmed up, when after May 1st, we'll start to coordinate with uh, Anime North, with Chris and the social media gang, how they want uh, us to do our our show for Anime North. And as I said, it's mentioned on Twitch. I did make it a point to look at the Twitch channel, Anime North Compass, earlier this evening before we all met up. And you know what's the most recent thing on it, right? Anybody? Last year's online experience yeah the, the momiji uh online experience that's the most recent thing so you know the it's otherwise the twitch channel hasn't been touched so um i'm not sure if there is a twitch channel for the video game portion because as we said right they all work under their uh, different banners and then come together as one, so to speak. And I, I can't remember because remember they did streaming for the video game. So portion, but I'm not sure if that was done under its own separate banner. So it would have been interesting to see since they can't do it uh, at the Sheridan uh, for them, that uh, they wouldn't have done a few things uh, with that on their main Twitch channel. That would have been interesting. Yeah, that's actually a fair, you know what? I, I didn't realize that there could have been a separate channel for, um, some of the, some of the others, uh, the video game tracks at Anne. And I'm sure they would do the same thing, just like uh, they're doing this time, where uh, they do uh, some fundraising for different uh, causes and stuff like well, that. Of course, the kids is the big one for Anime North life. always, and hopefully yeah. they reach that goal you guys were talking about. Mm -hmm. Extra life, and I think it's uh, 2,500 uh, Canadian will be the uh, set uh, will be the set goal for this year. It was 15, uh, I think it was 1,500 last year. So, well, you guys up for this? You guys up to do a live version? Yeah. The real over-ender question, Mike, is will any of us or any presenters be able to actually look their best and get a haircut before <laughs> that? Day? That's the real well, question. I, you beat me to the punch because I, I, I knew I'd say something like that uh, well, before we ended that, this. That'll be me then. 
Oh, me too. Me too. As I said, I look like a guy who would have been either kicked in the face or swiped by nunchucks in a Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> we have. You just, uh, need to, you just need to grow the beard like me, Mike. That's all you got to do. Yeah, manly man, James Austin. Wait a minute. I, I have a razor at home, like a haircutting. Oh, hair yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, my best friends uh, uh, tried to get me uh, to purchase one. But although. That said, it's not really an option right now since everything is closed in Ontario. Well, stay-at-home order is now in place. There's your quick COVID well, update. Everything. The numbers suck. It's not everything. Just You're not off. saying, Kevin, <laughs> that they didn't rope off the entirety of all the Costcos because they're all inessential? You shouldn't have thousands and thousands of toilet paper in one purchase? Yeah, that's funny. The funny the, that's the funny part. And for reference, the quick COVID update is, yeah, a stay-at-home order was issued and came into effect on Thursday, and people were panic buying toilet paper again. <laughs> you know, it's it's like they just can't get enough of that toilet paper, man. <laughs> what the hell? Did they tell yeah. them like we were gonna run out? They were still buying it that first time. Ugh. Yeah, no, it's just that's what caught my attention in all the reports. Um, we case counts did reach a provincial record yesterday, well over forty two hundred, I believe. Uh, that's I, I believe we called that last month. We were like, "Yo, it's gonna well, reach that four thousand. <laughs> I'd like to think we won't see the five k. We'll see. But who knows? <laughs> Anything can happen right now. We'll for that. reference, for Saturday, the case counts in Ontario did dip under 4,000. I think it was like 3,800 or something. something 3,850 like that. something. Anyway, that's the, uh, that's the update. So their province has allowed uh, cities to be a little bit more surgical and selective in terms of the vaccine rollout. So there'll be a little bit more focus on the hot spot areas. I mean, but the it's, thing it's, is... The thing is, there have been uh, pharmacies and drugstores that have been allowing people to just take the shot if there's been leftovers. Oh, the no, fact- they're, 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 but that's been a common practice throughout all of this. Thing. No, but the fact that there are leftovers is like a problem in and of itself. There shouldn't exactly. be leftovers. Yeah, that too. That too. Exactly. A common practice, but that's been a common practice, like a vaccine hunting and li- and lining up for hours just to make see if anyone else shows up. It's like it's like trying to get a gelato, Kevin. Hmm. So. All I'm gonna say is that if you're not happy with all the things that have been happening, you can vote next year and make your voice heard. Yeah, I hate I to tell to you, it doesn't a- matter who you vote for, Kevin, because we're equally fucked whichever way we go. My my line was get in line. Well, it depends on it, it, you, at least you get to pick who you can get fucked by, James. Yeah, and that's okay. why we continue to vote and stuff like that. But it's always a tough thing at the polls, right? And mm-hmm. It all depends on who our local representatives are, too. You have to look at that, too, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Anyway. Life goes. Anyway, that's the uh, well, that's the COVID update and uh, basically the reactions to everything. Uh, well, any any further reactions to the Chris Nobelsky interview, or should we just? Uh, Get to the get to the bullets. Well, I guess the good thing uh, being digital again is we won't have to worry about the weather, right? That's another thing. Oh, true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Just before we do get to the bullets, it just uh, I just looked this up, or I looked it up this morning. Hey, somebody left a comment on the website 
nobody leaves a comment on the website. This is the first time anybody has left a comment on the website, I think, in the version 2 era. And they left it underneath the... And, and you know that if anybody comments on anything, we're sure to reply in some form. So this was in the entry for the Space Eater chat last week. Douchebag Hater writes, I'm amazed you douchebags came from whatever rock you crawled under and started podcasting again after hiding for a number of years. I well, like how his I like how his name's consistent, you know, douchebag or haters <laughs> calling us douchebag. It, it works, you know. Well, and yeah, you know and I can't believe it either. So not wrong in that sense. Well, I'm more I'm, I'm more amazed. Sarcastic, so we just take I, it as a I'm I'm more amazed somebody was paying attention. And, but but whenever these things happen, and you know we we've had our uh, run-ins with uh, the replies back in the version one era there's a part of me always wondering who the hell this was so to that end i started thinking about people who we know that we think this could have been and the only name that really came to mind for me was adam grant because because a word like douche is easily in adam's vocabulary so i i uh, texted him and usually texting him is uh is n- never really a sure thing because um, he doesn't typically reply to texts. And I just point blank asked him, did you, did you write a comment there? And he said, obviously his answer was no. Why? And I just simply said, <laughs> and I just simply said, well, a-, a term like douchebag hater just sounds like it would be in your vocabulary. And Adam just simply replied, you're probably right. I would have used a hyphen, though. <laughs> and to this end, this is the first time we've been in touch with Adam in the version 2 era in any form. Most of the uh, stuff I personally hear from concerning Adam is from his wife, who, who regularly posts on Facebook. Adam is doing well. For reference, it is great to hear from him, but he has acknowledged that life has been very busy for him. So the... Invite has been officially extended for Adam to revisit, but uh, once again, he's decided not to answer. (laughs) But at least we now know he's alive. Adam Grant, everybody. But, uh, you know, the only thing thing I say is about the hyphen line, (laughs) douche. But uh, there it is, Adam Grant. Glad to hear from him again. And uh, he, and from what I understand, he has done the odd podcasts on uh, on old movies and stuff. He has friends up in Barry does has done the odd podcast, but he says it's also been years, and he's also admitted that he's hardly stepped out of the house over much of the pandemic. Which I guess is not a depending on which side of the fence you're on, could or could not be a big surprise. But uh, there is there there it is the old hentai lawyer. Finally speaks. Okay, ready to go. Uh, so with that in mind, um, now we're ready to go with the bullets? Yes. Okay. I thought we were going to talk about uh, the uh, series we just ran through. Oh, yes, that's right. We, uh, I guess <laughs> well, before we get to the bullets, uh, Mo just uh, decided to do a watch party over the last hour, and we watched the entirety of The Way of the House Husband on Netflix. 
it's a, it's a quick watch. I have to admit, unless you can probably get through the entire the entire season in uh, roughly an hour. Yeah, it was like what five episodes, sixteen minutes each, and then it was six mini episodes in each episode, and covered uh, three volumes of manga. So we're all caught up, ready for uh, season two, which they said will come at some yeah, point. Yeah, and it sounded like the uh, bookends like uh, total the better part of three minutes, three or four minutes, and those are the credits. You could skip through those easily. If you leave it on, Netflix just does it for you. Oh yeah, that too, which is what you did, right, Mo? Yep. Okay. For the first thing that starts to, that comes to mind for me is Kyo in Kyoto from the Maiko House. That's the show I start to think about because they did their the format was much similar. Three very yeah, three short segments. stories, three uh, three very short stories, and then they do a food segment in between. There's your six right there, by the way, <laughs> for the for the for the thirty minutes. And is this becoming a thing? I hope so. Or this, has this has always been a thing, like to do the serial, to do an anime series, sort of like that? I mean, I know, I know, Marvel did, did it with like the Incredible Hulk and some of their titles back in the day with the whole motion comics type stuff. But it, it, it seems like it takes slightly less effort to produce. Maybe produce oh no, I, I, well, okay, we can go back to the style and the animation frames per seconds type stuff in a couple seconds. I was more thinking about just the stories. Oh, you, like you mean John like, Wick? Well, no, no, the <laughs> clip, no, I mean, the yeah, length, short the length of stories, just like it's like a little, hey, uh, six panel, basically doing a six panel. I don't think panel. I don't think it was quite that fast, but I think that Cromarty High School, uh, some of the episodes had a similar approach to it where, you know, they would have um, segments that would be a three minutes long, five minutes long. Um, I talked about the series with um, a friend earlier today, and apparently there's a series called The Daily Lives of High School Boys that did a similar thing. Oh, that show's great. So, like, I, I think it's definitely a, a style, especially with, um, uh, I guess, comedy and, and gag manga uh, type of a, um, type of series. Thank but, you. Uh, you did, yeah, gag manga. That's a good And term. even Slice of Life. And we've seen yeah. that where they'll do like, instead of a full episode, they'll do like 15 minutes or 12 minutes. And it's usually a late night anime. But this one, it was interesting that it was Netflix uh, backing it and they released it across the globe. So it doesn't look like it's anything that's going to be on TV or anything like that. So it works really nicely at, well, probably I mean, for they're, them they're to do had... five episodes and then dub it in all the languages and get it out there. So yeah. like, um, so like a Gretzko, I guess. Yeah, one way to put it. Yeah, that's okay, what I was thinking. And, okay, so let's go into the animation style, because I know that some a lot of the early reviews are critical of the animation style. and Because it's a lot, a lot of sweeping cuts, jump cuts, no real frames per second motion. I don't blame except, them. Except if you're looking at a Roomba. <laughs> I don't blame them. I can't... Like, the thing is... Does it feel like they cut corners? It does. It doesn't. It just didn't feel out of place for me. Some shots looked kind of rough. Well, sure, but I think that's the idea. No, like, I think some of them just looked kind of bad. Like, but even so, I didn't inherently. I wasn't inherently upset at the lack of animation. I've seen similar things in the past, and I can't claim to be a big fan of the manga because I haven't read it yet. Because I, mm. a lot of the criticism I've heard are from friends of mine who really love the manga and they just wanted something a little more substantial. 
Well, okay. they can wait for the live action series. Or maybe it's the live action series out. They can watch the live action series. We just uh, need to come over. <laughs> okay, Mo, Mo, I know you want to talk a little bit more about this yeah, style. No, too. I was just going to say, I mean, like, would the animation not being the way it would, would that have made the show better or worse? Like, I feel like the show in and of itself is pretty great. The content's great. I, I enjoyed it. And I don't think the animation style being not exactly what you want it to be is going to ruin the experience for me. I mean, if anything, it, it enhances it a bit, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just my take. I, I'm uh, sort of on Muhammad's side on this one. It, I it, I, I, it, it didn't detract. It didn't detract for me. I, I think if the, if it was, if the animation came across as more fluid, I still probably would have been laughing quite a bit. I still, I, I probably would have still enjoyed it quite a lot. And I, I guess I'm a stickler more for just a good story as a, as opposed to great fluid animation. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know I praised demon slayer. I was very complimentary of great passage because I sort of noticed those things wave. Listen to me for, because we talked a lot of, a bit about the types of animation styles they used. And they were nice. They were nice to look at. But when it comes down to it, it's still still want to tell a story. Yeah, narratively and, speaking, no issues at all. It was, it yeah, was narrative, no, yeah. it was one to one with the manga. And I think the content speaks for itself. Like it won an Eisner for best humor publication. And I think with the humor and stuff like that, it was best to do it the way they did it, where it was like short and sweet and stuff like that. And you could just go in and out anywhere and still enjoy it and stuff like that. And I don't think even if you change the animation, that could detract from that. And as they said, it was a choice by uh, the production uh, from JC staff to go that route. And Khan, the director, said that's what they were going for to a degree. It was hard to actually limit that motion and stuff like that in their mind, which was interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, when, when, I, when I saw the Roomba, I realized, yeah, they could have chosen to do better, more fluid animation. So, it, like, the Roomba scene made it obvious to me that this is on purpose. Yeah, I, I have to say, it was... See, about the only thing missing for me is the, um, is the main character, who, whose name I forgot and remember. Yeah. yeah, the only thing missing for that Real was Yeah, the only thing missing from that is was him uh, singing Bakamitai from uh, from Yakuza. Which was the karaoke song from Yakuza by the the actual Yakuza video <laughs> game. <laughs> Trust I me, think... that's a, that's an ongoing gag for um Yaku for Yakuza fans. So so I think from um, from my perspective, I have two main takeaways. Um, the first one is, so I watched the series earlier today um, because I figured you guys would uh, stick with Japanese and I wanted to see the dub. Um, so I, I watched it uh, all throughout uh, English dubbed. And, you know, it's a very interesting um, dub. Like some of the decisions are very clear. Um there is one scene where they mention, um, I think in the Japanese version, they refer to police as dogs. Um, and in the English, they change it to pigs. Uh, oh, so, boy. So the dad, it, was, it, was meant to be, it wasn't meant to be flattering at all. No, no. So the dad says, like, I hear uh, pigs are smart animals. Um, and then it shifts to the, the image of the police officers. And the, um, the, I guess, the subtitles say dogs equal detectives. But the implication in the English language is, um, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I've had rough runnings with pigs myself. 
Um, so, or something along those lines. So I found that really interesting that um, it was clear that, oh, here's very obvious because of the, the subtitles um, that they've made a, a change to make it flow more naturally for, I think for English. In- yeah, and I think I, so that English speakers probably get their better context. We've had we've had a version of this before when, like adapting adapting pop culture references. Yeah, so I, I just thought... well with the dubs for uh, Netflix as well. So I'm sure it definitely would be enjoyable, and it's good for this type of series probably to have that in some cases because you'll be more into it and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think there were a few other instances, like they, I think he said roast beans uh, for instead of saying the Japanese word. Um, so I, th- I just thought, you know, from a person who's really interested in in adaptation and translation, it was interesting being very sort of aware of, um, you know, some of the choices they made. And okay. the and the other main takeaway was that this is a very accurate portrayal of Japanese suburbia. Um, <laughs> like I I. I, I <laughs> You're I saying live... that they're going around uh, with the committee and stuff like that, the housewives committee. It's like with their herbs and spices. Their, <laughs> their apartment complex looks almost identical to what I lived in in Japan. Like it was eerie, like with that weird field in front of the, the space and the, the thin uh, roads kind of surrounding it. Like it's it's surreal. And like the type of grocery stores that you find uh, kind of in the suburbs or in very small cities there um you know the types of shopping arcades like it's it's you know it's it despite the the animation frames whatever um it's a very clear and vivid uh depiction of of what japanese suburbia is is like so i really appreciated that slice of life (laughs) at its core really it was a good watch curious about the manga now because here we go the here's your um Here's your media mix in action, right? Yep, three volumes uh, down for them, and then you can start rate of volume four, and away you go. So four is out, and then five's coming out. I think uh, either May or June. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'll certainly say I didn't feel like I wasted an hour. It was fun to watch. So um, thanks for uh, putting that together, Mo. Yeah, that was fun. Well, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was fun to do. Kevin, uh, if you watched it subtitled, you sort of have read the manga now. <laughs> <laughs> But it was funny. It's been a while since I saw an anime with that many speed lines just going at you <laughs> in the screen. And the other thing was I was having flashbacks because JC staff is overloaded this season, but I still thought they've done a good job. But I was thinking back to Backstreet Girls when I was watching it too and stuff like that. I was giving memories of that because similar mm-hmm. animation on that front and people had mm-hmm. complaints on that front. But I still think it's okay and stuff like that. It, the content's all there, and that's what counts. It gave a smile to our faces. Yeah, as I said, uh, an hour, hour plus, give or take, well spent. Okay, now we're ready to do the bullets. I don't think we'll be able to fire off too many this time. Well, there was a big one I hear this week. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go. The bullets presented in point form, but could become complete essays and... 42 minutes into the segment a short essay although (laughs) we are about to talk macross that's the big news this week chris obviously made a reference to it but that was in the immediate hour after the announcement this is some rather significant news this week big west and harmony gold 
And Studio New. And Studio New finally finally put aside their differences over the Macross and Robotech franchises. The upshot is that all the Macro, uh, most of the Macross franchise that hasn't already seen light in in the West will start to see light. And well, and there's another significant uh, element to this, but yeah. Well, what's the status of the original Macross series right now? Is that is that now in licensing limbo? No one has it. No, yeah, no one Gold. has it. Uh, well, under the Robo, that's Robo, but under the Robotech name. Oh, yeah, that entirely possible. Yeah. So it could have been a sub license, I guess, to uh, Anime Ego <laughs> and when ADV had. So yeah, that's mm-hmm, possible. That's... I'm not sure how the license went, but it was Tatsunoko that licensed it to them, and that's what caused the whole rigmarole was between Tatsunoko. And Big West, because Big West is like, no, we should be the ones that have oversight on. And this is where the committee system, right, where everyone has their roles. And this is what happens when you don't have your roles. So they got into a lawsuit over mm-hmm. who uh, should be doing what and who had the rights to give out to the rights to mm-hmm. uh, Harmony Gold. So that put them in a bit of limbo. And I think the bigger thing for them was the live action Robotech movie, because Which that would put that kind of on icy uh, water, so to speak. And at the moment, uh, they have the live action rights. They've been working with Sony with Columbia to get that going. And so it makes you wonder if it has to do with the other story we're going to talk about, about Sony and Netflix and stuff like that. We'll get to that in a few minutes. So I didn't think this would ever happen. Like we've, we've made complaints about this over the years, obviously. And I know many fans have. Where's Armor Cross 7? I think where's Armor Cross Frontier, and and where's the reappearance of Macross Plus and Macross Two? But I think you touched on it too, Mike, uh, with Chris with Macross Frontier, and I'm thinking it too. Is the big hurdle for that one music, as you you guys said, was always a big part of uh, mm-hmm. Macross, and so that could be another hurdle for licensing is the music with that series. So that's another question mark to see how it would come over and what hurdles they'd have to jump over. And for even the other licenses, until we see it in our hands, we'll see it till we believe it. You know what I mean? But we're actually further ahead than we used to be. Yeah. I I guess we we could end up seeing yet another version of seven o'clock news and all of this, but then that could, and like you said, this thing is very much about music. So that could ruin the whole thing. Kevin. Victor entertainment is the company who, has the right to all of that Macross music. And they're the ones that are going to be the big hurdle because uh, so recent, well, not recently, but a few months back, they, a lot of their anime music was put up on Spotify and other streaming services, but not the Macross music because they just don't want to put that out. And they probably value that music highly. and. God knows how much that would cost uh, Sony or probably Funimation in this case, because it would probably be them who would be putting in all this stuff out, should it ever see the light of day. Because remember, the article says that uh, they agreed to allow the mean distribution of most Macross television sequels and films. And as James said, I will believe it when I see us... when I see a street date 
and then I actually see it on a shelf or a digital shelf. Hmm. That's a fair, uh, yeah, I guess that's a fair comment. Macross 7 would also be a big issue because uh, all the fire bomber music is probably stupid expensive too, is, is what the rumor was. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the uh, this is the next hang up in all, in all of this. It's the music, and they Forget believe that. this is the price for it. But the reality and what they believe are two different things, as we know, <laughs> for better or worse, I suppose. What other angle do you want to take on concerning this, though? Or can I just pose a question and see what you guys say? Sure. Okay. How much has all? the two decades of legal wrangling hurt the franchise when you, especially when you compare it to Gundam Gundam's considered the big mech franchise these days, of course, like, I mean, that's the history. Could Macross have ever been at that level and could it still get there? Yes. Could it still, could it get there? Could it get there with all, with the, with this uh, significant hurdle being passed? Macross has had no issue of adapting to the times, so to speak. Uh, we can see Macross Frontier and Macross Delta as examples of that, even though Delta wasn't that good. But it was, you know, nowadays we have more and more people that are experiencing these shows through uh, legal streaming platforms. Uh, not as many people would be willing to, you know, dig around, or not as many people would be willing to spend $90 on a Blu-ray disc because uh, those Blu-rays, most of those newer Macross shows do have English subtitles now. Mm -hmm. So I think it has hurt 100%. And do you think it could, do you think it could recover? Do you think it could get to on the same level as the, as the Gundam franchise? I think it could. Uh, I think it could get bigger though. They just need okay. to stop making trash like Macross Delta. I think they well, would, if you wait. go the Robotech side and stuff like that, and with nostalgia and stuff like that, it's like if they do it right, they can probably bring it back that way and stuff like that. But anyway, exactly. Mo had something he wanted to say. No, I was just going to agree on you with you, James. I mean, it depends on how they do it, right? I mean, if they do it right with a proper rollout and like all the proper streaming behind it, I mean, maybe. I mean, no, nothing's and guaranteed, but it's, it's maybe. And I think the first domino that they want to look at is that live-action Robotech movie. And I think that's something they've been looking at seriously and stuff like that. And how that goes could determine how they want to do their mix. Hmm. Well, it's interesting now. The Robotech could have been considered the enemy of the Macross franchise in many respects, too. Now, it could be its greatest ally with all of this. That's the way I'm sorry. I, I think of it. Eh... Uh... I guess. I mean, because because that because familiarity is an important thing. I most think Western fans, most Western fans, getting in their forties, will remember the Robotech name. They may not know the Macross story. Not totally sure. I'm not sold that they would know the Macross side of that. But they would they would understand the Robotech side of that. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that Robotech is kind of their only avenue to have any chance of you know, really expanding. I think comparing to Gundam is a incredibly lofty challenge. You know, Gundam is 
an internationally recognized symbol. Like you had a, a giant Gundam in Ready Player One. People understand the model kit thing. Uh, even if you don't really get that element of of Japanese fan culture, you know, you've probably seen seen the stores or have a friend who builds uh, the models. Like the 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 drawing, like the image of a Gundam can be chibified it can be simplified it can cross over with hello kitty the power mm-hmm. that that bandai has there i think is is incredibly strong it's probably like i know it is a, a you know it's a television series but it's probably one of the most you know well-known sort of toy or definitely one of the most well-known model kits out in the world um and i don't think if you showed um across plane or or robot in a a crossover movie anyone would understand or be able to recognize it from a, a mass um like a, a mass population kind of scale um i think something even like ultraman is probably more iconic when when you're looking at design wise like i think when it comes to the the anime fandom macross has a lot of power especially you know gui- diving into the music elements um, the virtual idol kind of approach, like, you know, there's crossover a little bit with something like Hatsune Miku, like there's um, elements there that that really resonate with um, kind of what would be considered as the stereotypical otaku. And I think that, you know, as as James and all of you mentioned, because Robotech has that, you know, Battle of the Planets um, you know, uh, space battleship Yamato kind of nostalgia thing. I think it has a little bit of an edge there, but otherwise, I don't think it's reaching Gundam ever. So yeah, you think that's a <laughs> it's a lost cause in yeah. that sense. Okay, that, Mo yeah. first, Mo first, if he had, uh, and then Kevin. It's almost impossible for um for for it to ever get to Gundam levels. The only way it can maybe maybe is if it gets a really good live action, really gets like everyone pumped about it but even then i don't think you'll ever reach gundam levels right it's like it's like trying to it's like trying to outdo hello kitty it's just it's never gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) kevin well i think that you just need to have another new good show to come out it's gonna take time like like if we look at gundam like i think you know you had you had Wing, which was popular in North America, and then Gundam kind of petered out for a while, and then Seed kind of really brought back Gundam uh, to mainstream popularity in Japan in the sense that like, it really was such a massive hit in Japan, and it was a decent success in uh, North America, and at least in terms of fandom. Like, You need to just have good quality shows, and I'd say Frontier was pretty good in that sense. Delta less so. Like Delta was fine and I you know, idol like idol groups are are in vogue, so them going the idol route make like going with the group idols made sense. It's just that the the narrative was pretty weak. Mm. I think and you know, actually I feel like we're overdue for a new Macross series anyway. It's been a little while. Like just keep on making good shows. Uh, maybe it wouldn't ever beat Gundam in terms of popularity, but you could definitely, you know, mark your own territory, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what, There's for, a niche uh, what there. was the most, what was the most free recent uh, series in the Macross saga? 
Delta. Was it Delta? Okay. Delta, yeah. I know that uh, there was some there was a music act associated with Macross that appeared in the Songs of Tokyo Festival last year or this past year. Terrible love triangle and Delta too. Oh, oh boy. Well, isn't that the hallmark of a Macross story? <laughs> it was a one-sided love triangle. Like you knew, okay, spoiler warning for Macross Delta. There was no competition in that love triangle. You knew from episode two that, okay, it's probably going to be these two that are going to be together. Well, you know, now you're sounding like a uh, cat Callahan when we uh, talked to Kim and Rogue a few months back. <laughs> okay. Do we want to make an acknowledgement of the live action just before we move on? Or we can almost bring that into the next story. Live action. You can almost right? bring it. Yeah. You can almost bring it in there because into the, into yeah the other, it, it used to be it wasn't but they then switched gears and i think it was like 2016 where they teamed up with columbia which is part of sony to develop uh the uh robotech uh, I, live action and it I does tie really... into uh them Second. and netflix uh, that okay, we'll the... we saw this week yeah this it, i will say right now before we get to that it's one of the early rec arts anime discussions i ever got involved in was who should play who in a live-action Robotech back in the day, back in the year mid-90s. That's the first thing. Second, second thing is one thing that I think could happen and maybe should happen, especially considering that the, the technology is there to do it, three words. Sharon Apple Concert. As I said, the technology is there to make that happen. And it was... Vocaloid. Yeah, and that was a key component, a key plot point in Macross Plus. And the font we use for the Anime Roundtable wordmark. Actually, it's funny because they did have one thing uh, when in 2016 they started with Columbia Pictures. They said that, and I'm not sure if it's still true, but it looks like Jason Fucus uh, from Wonder Woman is writing the script for it. Or at least okay. he still was at one point. So, I, I know before we went on the air, we mentioned, um, talked about Ju Justin Savakis because he's been a long commentator on this issue. Um, is there something to add that he would have said? I don't uh, think so, but he was looking at, I guess, the different things and stuff like that. And one of the interesting things we're talking about is it isn't like the original Macross, because remember they took three series and then spliced them together to make mm -hmm. Robotech. But the amid original macross was basically the only one that really had the best success and came over like in the yeah. early there's... aughts uh the sub only macross came out from anime ego and they did uh well with it and then i guess that uh proved and successful enough and that ADB, uh, brought it over and they actually mm -hmm. dubbed a faithful version of macross and i guess it didn't do as well because we haven't seen it since and i have that uh, dvd collection from i ADD, do too i have, uh, I have both good, versions. dub and sub i have both versions myself and i have not watched i haven't watched the dub version maybe i'll have to dig it out at some point and try to see it and, and i guess the thing that was interesting too is that you have mari ujima That's playing it. minmei in japanese Again. and in english but then remember the how far removed she is from those two rules in English and Japanese. And it was really an interesting performance from both of them, I thought, for her. She she approached it. I remember her talking about that in some press releases when they announced that she would play her again in English. And she said, I'm going to approach it as if this is completely new to me. 
Min Mei clearly was her calling card. That's what made her famous initially. But she approached Min Mei as if she's somebody completely new to her. I think that was something to that effect at the time she was announced to play her. Yeah, and it was Matt Greenfield uh, who directed the dub, and so he did a really great job, as he usually does, but he's done other series like that uh, before that one. Like, of course, he did Evangelion and stuff like that, so Mm -hmm. he had done a lot of things before that, so he he did a great job, as always. Yeah. Okay, so let's... All right, now let's talk Netflix. Are we done with the the Strickma Cross talk for a couple minutes? I can't wait to own Frontier on Blu-ray. (laughs) <laughs> and the frontier movies coming uh yeah under the anaplex name okay oh, that right would suck. That would suck. oh that'd be hilarious that would be hilarious I, I'd, I'd still buy it but that would suck that might be that that would make my that would be so hilarious and guess what and, it isn't even a domestic anaplex it's an import from japan so you'll pay mm-hmm. even more okay so netflix Netflix and Sony made news this week because Netflix, what is this? Quote unquote, beefed up its film catalog because they signed a multi-year deal to stream Sony Pictures' big releases in the U.S. And this is right. And we have the. This is U.S. rights. Yeah, U.S. rights only at the moment. So, which is interesting. It's a two-year audition, so to speak so to speak so they get first uh, pass i guess at it so what so basically what uh, they'll be they'll be the exclusive home streaming home of the big budget films that sony are set to do over the next couple of years pretty much I, and the um if i'm not mistaken the way it's working out is that um uh netflix has a uh, right of first refusal i guess so any new releases from sony has to be offered to netflix first before going to any other streaming company for the next two years but i mean they had netflix had a similar deal with uh disney in like 2016 and we obviously saw what happened with that but um hopefully this one lasts longer it's worth like the the one thing that's that i'm reminded of when i hear this story is we we've talked about it at length with the Funimation and Crunchyroll deals, is this a pre, uh, is this a prelude to a more diversified mainstream streaming service under the Sony umbrella? Because right now they they don't have that. They might have had it with Crackle years back. Obviously, that's didn't pan out. That's not there anymore. It, it, exactly. It's 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 um. This is all on Sony, I guess. If if Sony wants to in a year or two's time, go the Disney route and make their own streaming service where they put everything under one umbrella for all their stuff, you know, great, I guess. This is just like a test pilot to see if there's any, if it works. But like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Sony's at this point now where they just have to, they should just give everything to Netflix. They should just be like, Netflix, just here, take it all. Just just be our new bosses. Whoa. But as they say, they do have a back catalog, but they definitely need the content. They need the hits. And we've seen that in the video game market too. And we've seen some of those that video games has gotten so realistic. And we're at that point in the PS5 that some of them are like, hey, let's see if we can make some of these movies. And we're seeing that with Uncharted. We're seeing that with The Last of Us. We're seeing that with Ghosts of Tsushima, which we had mentioned before. Yeah. And Ghosts of Tsushima could fall under this deal, right? 
if they oh, yeah. make oh, yeah. it within a certain time frame and stuff like that. But as we know, some of these projects can take time, and it depends if they renew uh, and have a good relationship with these contracts and stuff like that. And this is U.S. only, as we said before. So does that expand to other countries later on if they do well with this deal? And seemingly, if Robotech is in that time frame, sure. And that's what I was thinking, too, when I heard both of those announcements at the same time, because that could be something to juice that franchise again. You know what I mean? If it's done right. Mm-hmm. Well, which would be, in, well, it's interesting. As I said, I, I was thinking Funimation flashed into my mind again, but yeah. Well, keep in mind other other franchises and names that come up in this deal. Spider-Man, Venom, Jumanji, Morbius. Where the crowd, where the crowd dads sing. Bullet train. These are these are upcoming. These are upcoming titles that will be subject to this deal. Yeah, I mean the the the, the Spider Man stuff. I, I mean, I could see. I don't know. It's that's a that's an interesting title to get. It's. Yeah. I mean, we know um, the history between Spider Man's place in the MCU and and uh, how it messes up things between Sony and Disney. It, it's 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 a very interesting story. Keep in mind, all that tension concerning Spider-Man almost pulled it out of the MCU. It is arguably the most famous title, most famous name in the MCU. Arguably, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, I guess all the other all the other titles in the MCU will could take some debate. But Spider-Man is Spider-Man when it comes down to it, right? So the fact that the fact that it's not a given for Disney Plus, that is hilarious to me. And I think that might be because Sony had already had a deal in place for their animated features with Netflix. That was one thing that was in place. And I'm not sure if that was U.S. only, but they did have that in place for animated features and releases. And they actually made mention for Sony Pictures what this includes and why I mentioned Macross is they said the banners that were included were Columbia Pictures, Sony Picture Classics, Screen Gems, TriStar Pictures, and stuff like that. And Columbia was the one we mentioned that was going to hopefully handle uh, Robotech. So. so there's the thing. There's some of the ramifications now. But it's US only. We've sort of seen versions of this already play out with some of the exclusives that ended up on other services. So here, up here in Canada, should we be excited or should we just not hold our breath? Kind of like ping pong, as they uh, say, uh, Mike, <laughs> you never know. They're going to probably go, they might go and throw the dart again or go to somewhere else. It's just kind of like I had a discussion with you, I think a week or so ago, I put it into you guys about Crunchyroll and their physical distribution because they had something about oh, we're going to work with this now to do these tiles to get them out physically on Blu-ray. And it's like, wow, you had a deal before with Sentai. So it's like whatever feeling they have sometimes, and then there they go, right? Right. Fun story. Spider-Man exclusive to CBC Gem. <gasps> what? Oh, yeah, Spider-Man exclusive to CBC Gem. <laughs> Well, on the topic of CBC, the final episode of Kim's Convenience, I think, is is this coming week, too. R.I.P. Kim's Convenience. Netflix, where you at, man? Bring that back. Come on. 
<laughs> I don't think it's a matter of money or popularity. It's a matter of getting Innis Choi back into the fold. Because, um, well, that's the story. There's there's a deeper story behind behind um, Kim's conveniences. End. And, like, some people have made some pretty around about accusations and given some food for thought concerning that. But yeah, it's going to be an end of an era this week with uh, the end of Kim's convenience. And it probably won't feel like an end. It definitely won't. It, it definitely won't. I don't know. It how, wasn't anticipated. I don't know how they're going to end. It's, it's, it's going to be one of those like giant cliffhangers where it's just like, Oh yeah, the show's over now. Uh, come back. Never. <laughs> I mean, it's a, yeah. See you. Bye. Or if exactly. they find out, they can do a special years down the road or something like that. You never yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's just strange because they the show ended when Choi walked away from it, and they just thought they he's the that's his baby. He's the creator and the creative force, and they just couldn't um, do it anymore. The rest of the producers just couldn't move on without uh, without him. Which which I think is sounds like a. Like in some circles, it just sounded like they gave up on it too easily. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the the show is pre-approved for another season. I mean, they had storylines that were gonna go places and stuff. I mean, the lead character is now like a Marvel star, and you know, I, I, the show was gonna go somewhere, maybe end in a proper next season. But I don't know. It's, it all felt so abrupt. It will. So there's a there's the thoughts on Kim Kim's convenience right there. That uh, as I said, end of an era. Okay. Uh, do we want to say anything else about Sony and Netflix? Is there anything else to add before we uh, uh, start to wind it down tonight? I think we've uh, probably that, talked that, enough I, because I we've talked a lot about Sony, haven't we? Over our Space Eater and over this episode at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a... Uh, well, it's it's just... I think it's just the arms race between the incumbent mainstream streaming services continue. Everybody's bulking up as much as they could. Everyone's uh, hungry for content so that they can yeah. get the subscribers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sony, I will stop short of calling them a kingmaker, but they are like this deal could say, says to me also that they have a degree of control in how this will play out. Don't you think? No? Yeah, it's possible. I guess I mean, time will tell, right? It's great. It's a very interesting story. It's a very interesting thing to me uh, that, that this uh, this development happened. Well, lots of interesting developments this week, but um, yeah. Okay, that's the biggest stuff that we wanted to really talk about, but some other interesting things did come up this week as well. Before we go tonight, I guess we'll, uh, we'll start uh, looking a little bit into the anime community calendar. We haven't done so in a couple weeks. Let's go TCAF for a couple seconds. Because I know uh, James and Kevin might be a little bit more excited about uh, TCAF than most of us. But, but they didn't make a, an announcement of, in terms of a guest this week. Tabi Nagata? Yep. They, That's how you pronounce it? Yeah, they made an announcement uh, of her coming to the TCAF uh, virtual experience and that... Uh, they're going to have uh, an interview between her and uh, Deb Aoki. And okay. uh, as well, uh, she, the translator on hand uh, to interpret is going to be Jocelyn Allen. And she's worked 
uh, with TCAP many times for different uh, manga artists she's translated for, and she has translated uh, Nagata's um, works that have come uh, out in English from Seven Seas. And she was one of the first ones that brought out these type of autobiography type uh, works. So I believe instead, like some of them come out on Twitter, but hers actually came out on Pixiv first and then uh, came out physically in Japan when she found a publisher. But they were autobiographical works. Uh, the first one was My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. And then the next one that was out in two volumes around uh, from Seven Seas was My Solo Exchange Diary. And then her latest one coming out in May, which will probably be promoted, of course, uh, at TCAP, is um, the one where it's My Alcoholic Escape from Reality. And I'm sure that one will be good, too. The one thing to keep in note, and I always remember this, is all these stories are coming from her personal experience. So that's the thing that really gets to me every time I read them and stuff like that. I'm like, holy smokes, there is a strong person. Uh, there because i can't believe uh, some of the stories she tells like incredible mm -hmm. oh yeah and, and that's and the thing with some of these stories some of them are happy but these ones that she tells aren't exactly gonna leave you feeling good but the inner strength she must have is absolutely incredible and i'm intrigued to see what happens in the interview and what they talk about and and once again to reiterate this is online correct right yeah okay uh, Kevin, uh, do you have a thought? Because I, as I said, this I know this is more up your alley, like uh, no uh, the TCAF stuff. Oh, I'll be tuning in. Uh, I've I've only read uh, my I've only read her first work, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. But I, yeah, it was you know it, it was quite relatable in some aspects, and I I gotta respect how uh, willing she was and how she was willing to express her vulnerabilities to the world hmm. it was a it, it really hit hard at, in some moments for me like i i did buy it out of uh interest you know i heard the acclaim so i gave it a shot and was not disappointed so That's good, i'm looking forward to uh seeing what she has to say in the next month or so uh, once again, uh, remind me when when is uh, TCAF set for? I think they're going to do it around the same time. I I didn't look it up, to be honest. I believe it's probably going to be the same time as it usually is in May, usually around the Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, that's when it usually is. It'll be okay. uh, the eighth to the fifteenth, right? Yeah, that sounds about uh, right. But it's going to be at the beginning of May if you want to tune in, and it'll be interesting to see how they do it uh, this year, especially since they want to have the different artists come and hopefully promote their works online. And I wonder how that's going to play out for discoverability and stuff like that. Because when you're walking around the reference library and stuff like that, there are things that can catch your eye. And it's like, man, I really want to look at this and maybe then support some artists you never heard of before, right? And I wonder how that's going to work online. I'm I'm sure it will work to some degree, but I do think it is rather sad, you know, especially for a lot of these smaller artists like um, the the Japanese guests. Um, I think there's just maybe the one this year. Um, the other more famous uh, guests uh, like uh, Jeff Smith is the keynote speaker. 
you know, and, you know, anyone with actual name recognition with a published work out there is going to be fine. But anyone who is, you know, just starting out or is taking more of the zine angle, you know, they're, I'm, I'm sure they'll still get some eyes. And I'm sure that, you know, TCAF is an excellent organization and uh, group of people that I'm sure will do everything in their power, power to shine lights on, you know, these smaller independent, uh, more independent uh, authors and artists. But I think it is, you know, it's, again, they're going to do their best, but I think it is sad that there won't be that, um, you know, visual uh, walking around type of approach. Yeah, well, 2020 and 2021, (laughs) dude, that's just the way it's been the last 13 plus months. Okay. Well, TGAF, there there it is. And once again, it'll take place just before Anime North, the at-home edition. All right, just to start to end off the uh, community calendar, at least, and we'll probably mention it again in a future episode, there, there are little, what is it? Well, things looking for your money, I guess, right? Yeah, one's a fundraiser, and one uh, is a fundraiser, too, uh, that we've looked at uh, before. It's like, I guess we might as well start off with the one that most people know. Hun- Humble Bundle is doing another uh, manga bundle, and this one is in relation to the spring 2021 anime season, and they have many different uh, manga that you can uh, pay for and unlock. It's definitely a good deal. Uh, the only one that we've seen before is To Your Eternity. and that yeah, was a, I was wondering if there was a title that... I, I was wondering if uh, To Your Eternity was looked familiar. Yeah, and it was in the last it was, six months ago. Yeah, it wasn't the last one, but it was the one we had first mentioned about the award winners. And that one was from the creator... I believe of uh, Silent Voice, I want to say. So that yeah, was so one a lot right. of people were looking yeah, forward is, to. It is Yoshi Toshi Oima. Mm-hmm. The but but then the the if you're willing to go all the way, let me say that again. <laughs> if you want to go all the way, thank you. Seven deadly sins, the whole thing at the at the at the very end at the top tier. No, it's not. It's not. This will be edited it's, out. This will be edited like, out. That thing's like forty volumes how many, long. Is it still going? How, it's not how long thing. is this? I think the first part ended a little not too long ago, and I think the second part was so like, starting. It is twenty-four volumes. Start. Just it is twenty-four volumes plus of. I have to look this up. But there is other ones. No, uh, yeah, it says it's one through twenty-four on the humble on the humble bone website. But that like that series is at least forty volumes long. It's not, no, the, it's whole not the whole thing. thing. Yeah, I okay. don't think there's. Uh, all of them are the whole thing from what I can see because some of them are continuing on. Like they have Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagato. It's referred to you. And you're right. You're right. And that one is vertical. They have In Zero, which is uh, from Fairy Tale. Wait, was I wrong? Dear Kramer. And then they have one of the slime mangas, the spinoff. Okay, so just to clarify, and boy, did I get it wrong. (laughs) And no, I won't edit it out. Because when, because once in a while we have to stand corrected. What is it? Uh, Seven Deadly Sins ran from October 2012 to March 2020, and and topped out at 41 volumes. And this is only 24, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just for reference. So, Bye. just to clarify that and make me look like an idiot. Well, 
as I usually would anyway. Sorry, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Um, as per my self-flanderization, I also feel like I need to mention that you can find Shaman King Zero, I think volume one and two, uh, as part of this. Correct. Uh, and two. So what's the difference between Shaman King Zero, Jeff? Because that was the question mark in my mind compared to regular <laughs> Shaman King. Uh, so Shaman King Zero is a prequel series that was made about, I think, eight years after uh, the Shaman King manga ended. So uh, the art style is uh, uh, Takei's um, uh, sort of modern style. So it's quite different than the more cartoony, almost American comic style that you see at the beginning of Shaman King. And yeah, it's, it's a bunch of sort of one-shot uh, prequel stories uh, varying in quality that you know, you can follow some of the characters before the start of the series. Okay. And that's nice. And then I think the last one I saw in there, Tokyo Revengers, was another one on there. So there's a lot of choice in there and stuff like that. As you yeah. said, you can give uh, as one's... much as you want, depending on the tiers, and you can also give to charity, which never hurts as well. I think that's the sole digital-only title on that list at the moment. But then if... If that ends up being popular, Kodansha will print it. As they all work. <laughs> Actually, I was surprised because uh, I know we don't really have time to cover this, but there was a recent article on ANN that showed uh, manga with the biggest first printings from Kodansha, Shogaku Khan, and Shueisha from the past year. And yeah, Tokyo Revengers is on that list. I, I did, like, oh, I did see that. So it makes you wonder, does that mean it's possible for worldwide if it hits the right notes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's the one. That's the uh, first initiative that's looking for your money. The other is a Kickstarter. It's by Studio Wit, a feature-length animated film based on the girl from the other side. We mentioned this title before because it was the short film version of this was shown at the JFF Plus, and it was originally shown uh, when it came worldwide at the Montreal uh, Fantasia Festival and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so this time, Studio Wit looks like they want to go full in and make a feature, and they want to get the art style close to the manga as possible, because it isn't your typical manga. It's almost like this fairy tale Western European aesthetic that you just don't see. It's not your normal art style you're used to seeing in manga or anime at all. And so they mm -hmm. were showing what they were going to do, and it looks like it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And they said 28 days left on this Kickstarter, and they've just hit their first uh, Kickstart, their first uh, stretch goal, which is to add a booklet, and that's uh, 13 over 13,000 yen. Sorry, 13 uh, million yen. I meant to say mm -hmm. 13 million yen. For reference, the Kickstarter has long met its goal, but yes, 28 days to go. Just for reference, on the humble bundle, there's 18 days to go as of this taping. You remember, how much do you remember of the short film? Do you remember seeing it, James? It was a while ago when I remember I, seeing it, but my... it was, it made sense, I guess, that it would be a short film in the way they did it because it was such a unique property. But I guess there was so much love from Studio Wit and they're so well known for the different works they've worked on that they decided they wanted to work on it again but since it's such a unique property i guess they felt this was the best way to go and they said there were other uh, funding sources but it's just going to be interesting to see how it all comes together and once they get the funding and everything together they said it'll release next year 2022 so that's the release window they're hoping for mm -hmm. and my memory of I, I i remember seeing it but i remember just 
really not paying attention to it when I watched it at the uh, JFF plus a couple months ago. It was pretty. I just didn't know what to make of it beyond that. And I guess so, that's the thing is you could only do so much, right, in 10 minutes and stuff like that. So with more flesh down stuff like that, I think like 60 to 90 minutes, they'll have a better uh, feel and stuff like that. And even though it's volume 10 just came out and it just finished its manga run, so it's probably going to be around 11 volumes in the end, they can still get a good uh, product out there and I'm sure it'll be enjoyable and it'll be a different thing for people to see. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of that thing you would go to uh, see some art and stuff like that and it's like wow this this is really interesting and stuff like that and get different people to look at anime in a different way it's almost like going to tcap of course because some mm. of the properties they select and stuff like that cross over into different uh, niches and stuff like that not just the manga and anime side but also on the comics and zine side and stuff like that with some of the people they select to come over so it kind of has that feel to it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people want to give it a shot anyway. How many? Uh, how many people? Seven hundred sixty-nine backers already, as yep. of uh, as of this recording. And I know they were talking too because I was looking at the thing, and I know shipping can be a little expensive, but they explained it, and I've heard it from different projects from Japan. Is EMS is still down, so they were worried about that. So they're doing it through FedEx and stuff like that. So that's why. Hey, okay. Well, at least maybe there's a better guarantee with it. Well, sometimes it has hurt uh, some projects. I know uh, for La Mulana, it's like they had their shipping already, but they wanted to get it out to backers because it had been so long. They had to go the FedEx route instead of EMS. And I know their other projects, uh, Front Wing, is still having issues with some of theirs to try and get it out to people like... Uh, I, what was it, uh, the Garcia one uh, that was uh, the anime of the first two episodes for that one has still not come out. So I'm hoping one day it'll come out. Okay. I think that's about it. We're, we're tapped out. Look at it. Look at the time, dude. How much we did in this segment. Okay, that's a, I guess, uh, well, that's all uh, we have uh, on, on the mind tonight. But before we go, a couple quick programming and personal notes. Uh, JP from Anime Lockdown. We did mention it last show. He is still set to join us to talk a little bit about Anime Lockdown one year later and see what the plans are there. And we'll probably get into a nicer, longer discussion about conventions in general. And he'll he'll sit in. We believe sometime before the end of the month. Could be as early as next week, though. But uh, to listeners out there, both of you, look forward to that. And finally, uh, a personal note. Since we've been talking about past personalities from version one of this podcast, a quick congratulations to our old friend Megan Swain. On March 27th, she gave birth prematurely to a baby boy baby's doing well but by a, but my our understanding is that for now he does have to stay in hospital care for just a little longer baby jacob was born three pounds via cesarean section so congratulations to megan and her husband and if you want to hear from her a little bit more she is one of the regulars on a podcast called 
Bad With Numbers, which I believe talks at length about movie sequels, which which would be right up her alley. But uh, once again, congratulations to all. Megan, hope you hear this sometime. And that's all we have for tonight. One more reminder where you can reach us, AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com, at AnimeRoundtable. AnimeRoundtable.com is our archive. Also, please don't forget to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, because reviews and good reviews might help us get this show exposed to others who might want to listen to it in the future. Kevin? Kevin? How many stars, Kevin? Well, uh, it would be much appreciated that you leave us a five-star review on whatever platform that allows you to do reviews, and we would appreciate constructive criticism and not blanket insults. Thank you. Douche. It could have been a compliment. We don't know. Douche. <laughs> we typically do episodes once every other week, but with the way April's going, we're probably going weekly. That said, subscribe to us so you can be notified whenever we get new episodes into the feed. Until next time, thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto, and join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. Wow. Was it more than two hours, two hours, 15 minutes? We're going to have to really cut this down if we're going to do Anime North. I mean, we did pretty good. Uh, overall. <laughs>